may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Church. First of all, that one song we sang, the one he said it's a new song to us, he, Brother Nick wrote that song. Yeah, that was really good. How is everyone doing? Good, good. It's a beautiful sunny morning. Hello to everyone who's watching online. Hope you're doing well. Good to have you. How many of you guys are enjoying our study in the book of Hebrews? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I, yeah, I truly am. <laughs> we love, uh, we do love going verse by verse through the scripture. And uh, you know something, part of me always says, this is my own thing where I feel like I have to rush through things, but it's good to take time, you know, just to take your time because we're experiencing the Lord, you know, as we go through his, his word. And, uh, and there isn't a, a, a medal at the end where if we finish the book in a month or two, which is not going to happen. But anyway, so we are in the book of Hebrews and we're in Hebrews chapter three. And uh, if you want to turn there. We're going to be mainly focused on verses 7 through 19, although I'm going to give it a little head start uh, beforehand. Um, And uh, part of when you're you're reading a book in the Scripture or reading Scripture itself, it's good to read through the entire passage or the entire book if you can, give you a whole context, you know, the whole setting. And so uh, my challenge is that since we are a, a church that loves the Word and loves you know, is my challenge is read through the book of Hebrews. Try and try reading through it out loud. It's going to take you a little time. You know, you can take a little break, but I think you'll uh, you'll be blessed by it. And uh, so Hebrews um, is really a book where uh, there's Jewish believers, believers in Jesus who were who had gone through a lot. They had suffered persecution. They even had property taken away. They had some of them had been jailed. Um, and they are becoming discouraged, and they're thinking about turning away from the Lord, because life has been really, really hard for them. And so throughout the book of Hebrews, he's going to sort of uh, point them back to Christ. And one of the reasons, one of the ways he does it is by saying, well, whatever your options you're going to go after, Jesus is better, right? Uh, we've talked about the first was angels. He he uh, at that day at that time uh, angels were venerated, and so well if you want to go back to after angels, they're not God. Jesus is God. Jesus is better than angels. And and now he's into Moses. Now Moses, of course, in the Old Testament, if you ask any Jewish person, Moses was the pinnacle of their faith. Like it was was Moses. We we are we are followers of we are followers of Moses, right? So they highly venerate Moses. And so in this chapter, in the beginning, as we saw last week, he actually compares Jesus to Moses, but not in a, a really bad way, but say, hey, Moses has a lot going for him. And the main part that he's going to do here in verses 1 through 6, his main point is faithfulness. He says, listen, Moses was faithful over his house, just as Jesus was over his house. He's going to make a major point here. Okay, So if you look at uh, chapter 3, you notice he has verse 7, the word therefore, verse 7. And then if you skip on down, um, uh, 
you, you see even in the beginning of chapter 4, there's a therefore. There's, he has an argumentation of what he's trying to do. And what he's going to do is sort of highlight the good things they have in Christ, highlight the things that they know they had in Moses, and point that and say, now beware of turning away from what you have in Christ. And he's going to do that six or seven times throughout the whole book of warning them. Be careful of going that direction. Sometimes when life gets difficult, it's easy to want to give up. It's easy to want to say, you know, this is not for me, or God loves everyone else but me. You know, there is, it's easy to go down that road, right? And, and to forget all the blessings that you have in Christ, okay? And so with the first part of the chapter, he's highlighting the faithfulness of God, of Jesus. In fact, look what he says in verse 2. Jesus, who was faithful to him, just as Moses was faithful in all his house. Skip on down. Verse 5. Now Moses was faithful in his house as a servant. Verse 6. But Christ was faithful over his house as a son. He's highlighted the faithfulness. Now one other thing he does in the first part, we're, we're sort of just sort of getting our juices flowing here, is he talks about the glory of Moses compared to the glory of Jesus. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. For he has been counted, Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. In the same way that the builder of the house has more glory than the house. Whoever designed the house has way more glory than the house itself, you know. Moses actually has glory. What's that mean? Glory means weight. Glory means there's, there's, there's things about what Moses stands for and what he does that are glorious, that are wonderful, right? But Christ even more so. And for, in fact, Moses would tell you, go to follow Jesus, because Moses would, would say, I spoke of Jesus. You see this uh, through the, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 18. He says, uh, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me after, uh, among you, uh, uh, after I'm gone, basically. He'll raise him up, listen to him. And that's speaking of Jesus, all right? Um, Moses says, I'm great, but there's someone even greater that you need to follow when he comes. Um, Moses gives us the shadow of things to come. Moses gives us sort of the earthly model that's modeled after heavenly things. You, you, uh, you, you like what you see in Moses, he basically says, um, but Christ uh, is the fulfillment of that. In fact, Hebrews chapter 8 will talk about the fact that tabernacle was a copy of a true tabernacle in heaven. Moses looks forward to Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews is like, follow Moses' recommendation because he has more glory. In fact, let me just go through. Let me just, because this is part of the argument he's going to do. How much glory did Moses have? Let me just tell you. Moses had the, here's the glory with Moses, was there was, the tabernacle was with Moses, right? What's the tabernacle? The dwelling of God among his people. At the end of Exodus, they make the tabernacle, the glory of God comes in, and then Jesus, or God himself, dwells with his people throughout the travels, right? Into the promised land. But Jesus Christ is the true tabernacle of God because he's not a physical tent in a sense made of porpoise skins. With an, it is he takes on flesh, and now he's even more glorious. He's actually God with us. He was God with us back in Moses' day, but now even a better way because, because he comes man, because uh, became a man. In the Old Testament, you have the, 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 the exodus, the freeing of the slaves from, from Egypt. But Jesus Christ is more glorious because he sets free people free from sin and from the bondage to sin. Um, Old Testament, you have the laws written on tablets of stone. 
The law is good. But New Testament, you have the law is written on t- the tablet of our heart, right? He's more glorious. M- Moses gives us manna from, from heaven. And we'll see about that today. But Jesus Christ himself is the true manna. And most of us who say, I can go on and on. Follow Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews is doing this. He's reminding them of what they have in Jesus. And if they're Jewish believers, they would know the Old Testament, which they do. So what he's going to do is he's building up the fact that Jesus Christ is, of course, more glorious than Moses. Moses, who gives us the law written on stone. Jesus gives us the law written on, on the human hearts. Moses' law works from the outside. Do this, do that. Jesus works from the inside, right? He changes you from the inside. You're a different person when you, follow, when you accept Christ, right? He changes everything about you. Gives you. It's like he knows how to rearrange things. Jesus, of course, has greater glory. Now, having said all that, the faithfulness of Moses, the faithfulness of Jesus, the glory of Moses, the even more glory of Jesus, that's when he gets to verse 7 and he begins a warning here. Verse 7. Therefore, says the Holy Spirit, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of the trial of the wilderness, where your fathers tried me and test, uh, by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and, and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So what he's doing here is quoting from Psalm 95. We'll look at that in a second, Psalm 95. And what he's doing, he's, he's telling them something they all would have known. Then in verse 12, he then takes and makes an application based on what the, uh, the principles of, 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 of 7 through 9 is. You see that? That's why he says, verse 12, See to it that there not be any, uh, in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Okay, now let's, stop here. let's start here. When he says, Today if you hear his voice, that's a quote from Psalm 95. And in synagogue every week, they would have started the synagogue service with the quotation from this, from this section. Today, if you hear his voice, that's like the start of the service in the synagogue, and that would have perked their ears. We know this verse. In fact, go to Psalm 95. Go to Psalm 95. Now, I'm going to ask you to, 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 to stay with me and be paid, because we're going to look at a lot of Scripture and We'll see what the Lord does because there's a lot, there's a major thrust he's making here. And I want to build the case here. But Psalm 95, we actually sung the first part of that song. That's why I had you read that song or sing that song. Psalm 95 says, Oh, come, let us, uh, you know, let us worship, bow down in verse, verse 6. Um, it starts off with, uh, with singing joy to the Lord because of what he's done. But verse 6, Come, let us worship, bow down. Let us kneel before the God, our, our, the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now here's, here's what he's quoting from. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, uh, um, which, uh, well, I'll, I'll explain that next and as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tried me, they tested me, for they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation, for they said, 
and said, They are a people who wander in their heart and do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore my anger, they shall not enter my rest. So what Hebrews is quoting from is from this, this chapter. Now, what's he speaking of here? Okay, so the people of Israel were, were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, right? God says to Abraham, hey, listen, it's not time. It's, it's got to wait for 400 years for the, for the sin of the Canaanites and the Amorites to, to, have, to, to be really, really bad so I can kick them out and do something. For 430 years, they're slaves in Egypt, okay? They're crying out to God during that time. God raises up Moses as a deliverer. You know the story, right? From the, time, from the time he sets them free, he's, he, there's, there's, um, the Exodus speaks of 600,000 men, probably an extra women and children, probably over a million people that are going with Moses out of the Exodus. They have been slaves. That's all they've known for generations and generations. Now God raises up Moses to bring them out so that he can eventually bring them to the promised land. Okay? When they get out, when they got, get out of the promised land, it is not long after the Exodus. In fact, go to Exodus chapter 17. Okay? We're going to look at a lot of scriptures. So Exodus chapter 17. Now, if Exodus 17. Actually, actually 16. I'm sorry, go to 16 first. Exodus 16 first. They've gotten out of Egypt. God has sent the plagues, plague after plague after plague, and finally the, the final plague of the death of the firstborn. The people of Egypt have set them out with stuff. They don't go empty-handed. They're like, get out. okay, guys, go on, right? They get out finally out of Egypt after 400 and some odd years. God has delivered them. God has... They get to... Um, they get to outside of, of Egypt, and in chapter 16, or chapter, um, where, what did I say, 16 or 15? or 16. I think it's because I have so much I want to share that I'm like, okay, go to 15. <laughs> Watch this. I just want to show you, I'm going to, I'm going to show you that there's, I'm going to show you something here. Then Moses, verse 22 set out from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they spent three days in the wilderness and found no water. Then they come to Mara, and the, the waters are bitter there at Mara. That's why it's called Mara. And so the people grumbled. What you're going to see, if you read Exodus, you're going to see this word grumbled repeated time and time and time again. They just got out of Egypt, and immediately they're grumbled. What shall we drink? God says, okay, take a tree and throw it into the water and, uh, and it, will become, it will become well to drink. Then in verse 16, they grumble again. Look at verse 2. They grumble against God, against Moses and Aaron. They say, we need bread. God sends manna. And, uh, and in throughout verse 16, they grumble one time after another, after another, after another. Then in chapter 17... After, in chapter 17. Then all the congregation, verse 1, of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin. That's a capital S sin, not a small S, but it sounds really cool, right? 
according to the commandment of Yahweh, and they camped at Rephidim, there was no water for people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses, give us water that we may drink. The, the psalmist and Hebrews is referring to the contention or testing of God at this place. They're like, God, we don't trust you. God, um, uh, are you, are you, are, have you brought us out here basically to kill us, is what their, their complaint is going to be. The people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses, of course, um, responds. And, um, so verse 3. Uh, chapter 17, verse 16. But the people thirsted for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up out of uh, from Egypt to put us and our children and our livestock to death with first thirst? Okay, follow along. They just got out of Egypt. God did miraculous things to get them out. And no sooner are they out of Egypt than they start complaining to God that he is going to kill them in the wilderness. Right? God, of course, so they, they accuse God here. And God says, verse, uh, verse 6, Behold, I will stand before you in the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. Moses does so, does so in, the, in the sight of the elders. He names the place Masa and Meribah, which means uh, contention and argument, that kind of stuff. That's what's being quoted in Hebrews and in Psalm 95. But watch this. Go, down, go back to... the. Um, Go back to, uh, keep your place back in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews also mentions something else. He says, verse 8, Do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me in the day of trial, Exodus 17, and where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. What is that? That's now book of Numbers. Let's go to Numbers, chapter uh, 14. Stay with me, okay, because I'm... I'm trying to show you what he's establishing here. Numbers 14. So here's what happens. They get out of Egypt. As soon as they get out of Egypt, they complain to God. There's no food, there's no water. You're trying to kill us, God, in the wilderness, right? You brought us out out of Egypt just to kill us. From the start, they start complaining against God, right? They get now to, here's the thing. They get now to the border of the promised land. They're at the southern border where Egypt and Israel meet, Kadesh Barnea. They're there, they're getting ready. They've waited 400 years to enter into the promised land, to, to dwell with God in their land, to worship God in their land, right? They, they've, they've gone through so much. But from the moment they get out, even up to a place where they get to the border, they're just about to cross. Moses has spies go into the land, say, check out the land, right? What's it like? And of course, in, uh, in Numbers uh, 13, the spies come out, and all but two of the spies said, there's no way, there's people, there's giants here, it's impossible, they have walled cities. There's no way we can, we can go into this land. There's no way, right? It's impossible. Joshua and Caleb said, no, the land is good, God will be with us. So what happens? In chapter 14, they start grumbling again. Look at this. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, Numbers 14, verse 1, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Would that we had died in the wilderness. They are grumbling. They're accusing God. 
It would have been better if we would have died in Egypt, or it would have been better if we never came out. Why did, you, why did God bring us out? Verse 3, bring us to the lamp to fall by the sword? He just wants to kill us, basically. Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fall on their faces in the presence of the assembly of the congregation of Israel. Joshua and Caleb, the only ones who said, hey, it's good, they tore their clothes. They spoke in verse 7, the land which we are passing by to spile is an exceedingly good land. And if Yahweh, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give, us, give it to us a land flowing with milk and honey. But as for you, do not rebel against Yahweh. and Do not fear the people of the land, for they, are, for they are our bread. Their protection has been removed from them, and Yahweh is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation, verse 10, said to stone them with stones. This is why we don't do congregational votes, because <laughs> it's a joke. All the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of Yahweh appeared in the tent of meeting to the sons of Israel. And because of this, they're not allowed to go into the promised land. In fact, God says, this generation that has, that has come out of Egypt, right, from 20 years up, are going to die in the wilderness. You're not allowed, allowed to go in. Okay, this, this, now hear me out here. I'm, 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 still, I'm, still, I'm still developing this, okay? This is significant. They had the promises of God for hundreds of years. God now brings them to fulfillment and bringing the exodus happen. Oh, by the way, when God led them out, he leads them by a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. You've got the presence of God with you daily. You've got every morning manna and food, manna, which is food, provided for them. So get, you wake up in the morning, there's manna. You gather manna, you make your... Manna bread, manna cotties, manna whatever. <laughs> you make your manna burgers, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, vegan manna burgers. You break all that. And, and, for, and for day after day after day after day, God, God also gave, he gave them meat. He gave them quail to eat. So we want manna and quail and quail sandwiches or whatever you want to make with that stuff. For time and time and time again. Every day you see the presence of God. Every day you see the provision of God. Every day was also the protection of God. By the way, there was Egyptians that chased after you. They're no more. Red Sea, parts. It's, just, it's all that. And they get to the promised land and they become afraid of what we, they see. But from the time they come out of Egypt up to the time they're in the prom, they get to the border of the promised land and even while they later on, generations... Their heart is always questioning God. Their heart is always suspicious of God. Their heart is always never trusting in God. This is not a one-time thing. This is a pattern time and time and time again. You can live in the midst of the blessings of God every single day. You can be around the things of God every single day. See God's provision of sorts every single day. See his protection, see, his, see everything he gives to you and he has still have a heart that's hardened after him. In fact, <clears throat> this is the difference between Moses and, uh, and, and uh, you know, people like Joshua and Caleb. 
In fact, go back to, 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 to uh, Hebrews 3. He says, Today, if you hear his voice, verse 7, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me as in the day of trial, Exodus 17, when your fathers tested me, or tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Now he's speaking of that generation that never made it in. Now he still takes care of them. He forgives them. Scripture says he forgave them, but they'll never enter that rest. They'll never enter that promised land. But for 40 years, technically 38 years in some months, but for 40 years, he provides for them. He protects them. They never grow, their, their sandals never grow old. Their, their, their shoes never fail. They always had something to eat, something to drink. That kind. And God, God, for 40 years, they tried him. Therefore, I was angry with this generation, verse 10. And so they always go astray in their heart. And they did not what? They did not know my ways. That's the key right there. The, the, the key is the fact that they never knew God. See, today, now, let me just, in fact, he actually mentions the word today. Today, if you hear his voice, right? Today. This is not just a word for people who lived yesterday or 2,000 years ago. Now I'm speaking today. Because the psalmist in 95 speaks to people in his day, reminding them what happened in that day. And the people in Exodus and Numbers, the same, conf- the same uh, exhortation is today, if you hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. Don't, harden, don't become hard in your hearts. Don't resist them. Don't become stubborn. When God speaks, when God shows you, don't become resistant to, to the things of God. Now, what's the key for that to happen? It's whether your foundation is, starts off right. The people never believed in God. They never trusted God. From the day they come out, they're complaining and grumbling against God. He's against me. He doesn't like me. He wants to destroy me. He wants to just... just just to kill us all in the wilderness and give a... He wants to do a complete 180. He's been good to us all this time, but there's a catch, right? He's been good to us all this time. He's provided, but there's a catch. He can't be trusted. Listen, your heart will never rest if you are suspicious of God. Your heart will never rest if you're suspicious of God. If you don't even know His goodness, you'll never experience His goodness. If you don't accept the fact that He's good... And the key was, they did not know my ways. They didn't know me. They didn't know my heart. I mean, what, what God is there that would do such a thing as rescue those people and, and set them free and provide for them? They didn't know God's, God's ways. I, what are God's ways? All right, let's look at some more scripture. You guys with me still? You guys following? You, you, I want you to get the weight of this warning that he's, he's doing because this is significant. What are his ways? So look at, um, I'm going to look at three, real fast, three, three scriptures, Psalms. Psalm 67, look at this. Psalm 67. And uh, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth. Now, what's his way? His way of being gracious and blessing, isn't it? You see that? Your salvation among all the peoples. 
Be gracious and bless us and cause your face to shine on us. God's way is one of blessing and grace. Interesting when the devil, when the serpent in Genesis 3, when he wants to attack, when he wants to tempt, he brings suspicion against God. Did God really say this? God really knows that if you eat, that you'll be like him. And he, he doesn't want you to know things that he knows. It all starts with, being, with suspicion against God. You can't trust him. Yeah, the, the, he's, just, he's just doing that just to, just, but you can't really trust him. That's where Satan is talking. Go to Psalm 25. Go to Psalm 25. Verse 4. Make me know your ways, O O Lord. Teach me your paths. What are your ways? Verse 5. Lead me in truth. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Okay? We've learned God's ways is gracious, a blessing, and now truth. You can't rest in faith or in God if you're suspicious of whether God is truthful. Right? We're talking about foundational stuff of faith. Why do people fall away? Because their foundation is never settled on the goodness and faithfulness and truth of God. Secondly, lead me in your truth and teach me for you are, you are the God of my salvation. Verse 6, second way of God, remember, O Lord, your compassion and love and kindness. God's ways is truth, compassion, love and kindness, that's the heart of God. Is that your image of God? Do you see God in that way or do you see God with suspicion? That he can't be trustworthy. Why do people fall away from God? Partly because they have the wrong foundation. Okay, look at Exodus 33. Look at Exodus 33 and verse 13. Oh, actually, Exodus 33, verse start verse 12. Sorry. Exodus 33, verse 12. Then Moses said to Yahweh, to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself had not let me know, not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Verse 13. So now I pray you, this is Moses praying, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I might know you. so that I may find favor in your sight. And God says in verse 14, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And Moses says, if your presence does go with us, do not lead us up from here. That's my prayer, right? First of all, God, may your presence go with us as a church, as a people. Let us not go anywhere without God's leading and presence going with us. 
Then Moses prays in verse 18. Then Moses says, I pray you, show me your glory. And look what God's response is. God says, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. God's gracious, he's truthful, he's good. And I will proclaim the name of Yahweh, the Lord, before you, and I will be gracious to him, I will be gracious and compassionate, who I have compassion. Skip on down, uh, skip over to chapter 34 in verse 6. God now finally passes in front of Moses and it says, Yahweh or the Lord passed in front of him and called out, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Those words sound familiar, right? From the Psalms we just read? Those are God's ways. What is God like? What is his heart? Compassion, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands and forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. He goes on from there. So when Hebrews, when the writer of Hebrews is saying, those people grumbled against me because they never knew me. They were faithless to me because they never trusted in me. They did not know my ways. They always went astray in their heart because they did not know my ways. It starts with knowing God's heart, with knowing his ways, his grace, his compassion, his kindness, his truth, his goodness. That's why, go back to Hebrews. That's why, now verse 12, now the Hebrew writer, the writer of Hebrews now makes application. See to it, brothers, and sisters, of course, assuming that, that there may not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from, from God, from the living God. See to it. That, that word see to it is the word to see, like to take notice, like pay attention to what's going on. What's the answer, though? Now, this is, this is interesting. Okay, so today... The scripture talks about in the last days, many people will fall away from God. In fact, the word for falling away there is the word we get apostasy from. Um, it's the, the same root. Um, it's a different uh, form, but it's the same root that we get apostasy. Uh, many people fall away from, at that time, they would have fall away. And, and what, they're, what he's warning them is like, consider all the blessings and the goodness and the compassion that Jesus Christ has shown you. He is, he is, he is, every single day he is provided. Every single, every, in every particular, consider all that and what, the, what, what happened with the people in, uh, in the wilderness and be careful of doing what they did. Of leaving, as the, as the hymn writer says, I'm prone to, to wander and leave the God I love. Be careful. Every opportunity that happens, any, everything that happens that's hurtful, there's Satan wanting to blame God and say, you can't trust him. See, I told you he's not trustworthy. See, I told you, as long as your foundation is the fact that you trust in his goodness, you rest in his faithfulness and compassion, you'll be, fi- you'll be fine. But be careful when things happen. Life happens, and sometimes life happens where you get some wounds. And your first instinct sometimes is to say, well, God's to blame. Be careful of accusing God. You see Jesus writing in the, uh, speaking of the parable of the, of the, of the, of the soil, right? Um, there are some hearts that are so hardened that the, 
seed bounces off, right? And there's some hearts that have other stuff going on with it, you know, rocks and things like that, that and never, things never take root. Be careful of, of having a hardened heart towards God. Now, what's the answer? What does he say is the answer to this, to this warning? What's going to keep you from falling away, um, from unbelief, from the content, from disobedience? Look at verse 13. This, this, this kind of this surprised me. See to it, my brothers, that you don't fall away. You won't have a, a fall away from the living God. Verse 13. But what? But encourage one another day after day so long as called today. Encourage one another day after day so long, like every single day. Now what does this mean? Why is this significant? <clears throat> if a, um, if you ever watch those uh, we have uh, watched the shows like with lions or hunting, you know. They always go after the young or the sick or the one that's left behind. That's, that's kind of away from the, the herd, right? They always, they always go after the, you know, the whatever the animals are attacking that is not surrounded by the strong, but they're weak and separated and isolated. In the spiritual life, Isolation from community of believers is not good. Listen, all of us, we go, let's just be real. Living for Christ is, we love it, but there's challenges every single day. I mean, let's, I mean, we put on a good face at church, but let's be honest. You know, there are times when, 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 when Satan just wants to get us alone. And by ourselves, into our own thoughts, into our own, you know. And the, the, the word here is encourage one another, which tells me that within community of believers, how's it going? Tell me, let's pray for, let's, let's like, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being tempted, or I'm being challenged, I'm, I'm having our, part of living in community with believers is for encouragement to stay the course, I got, a, I got a call from um, a brother uh, in the Lord I haven't talked to in a long time. Um, and he called me at the right time. He left a voicemail to encourage me. And he didn't know that I was going through. I go through those, through the, those thoughts, you know. I go through those thoughts of, you know, does God love me? I know God loves me. And some of you know those feelings. Sometimes those feelings feel so real. And by faith, I have to like... I believe, I, I know a crisis faithfully is good, but, and he's good. But sometimes you get dark areas and you get challenged to your faith and you want to give up and you're like, what is this all worth it? He didn't know this. He called left a voicemail. And uh, he was, John, Jesus loves you. And he said, there was a brother you ministered to 20 some odd years ago. Some guy who was in my class I used to teach at a different church and this guy was in jail. My friend visited him, and, and he was, this guy came to my church today, and he's at a different church. He goes, I just want to encourage you, brother, that, that, that you, what you did in this life mattered. That, that, that this, I forgot the guy. I forgot, he's, it was Mike, and I'm like, yeah, I think I remember Mike. This is years ago, long forgotten. This guy comes into this church, and 
He's like, I just want to call you and let you know. You don't have to call me back. I want to let you know that, that what you did matter. And, you're, and be faithful in Christ. He, he, doesn't know, he had no idea. That was him encouraging me to not give up. We all need that, right? When people say, well, I don't need to go to church, you know. Really? Who's going to encourage you when you're tempted to give up? Who's going who's gonna to love on you? Who's just going to pray with you? Who's going to say, hey, you know, you're thinking this way, but let me show you the perspective. You don't see the trap that's coming up in front of you. Right? I, I, I'm going to do this. I, I feel led by this. And somebody says, yeah, but I think the Lord would have you consider that. That comes from encouragement. Encourage one another. This whole thing that comes out in today where I can just be me, my, me and Jesus only, you know, I'm just going to me and Jesus by ourselves. Really? And I know some of us have been hurt by church, but it's Jesus' church, and we're imperfect. We're sheep. Don't we just give up. Yeah, I know there's, there's places where it's dangerous to go. I understand that. And I hope and pray that our church is a loving community that, that we're faithful to Christ. We show the love, compassion, goodness, faithfulness of Jesus, right? The mercy of Jesus. And the mercy, the long-suffering patience of Christ. Some of us <clears throat> have wandered off. We come in, we're still we're still dripping of the mud that we've been wandering in in our life. And we're wondering, am I, am I, what will happen to me? Will I be discouraged? Will I be ridiculed? No, 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 no. We're supposed to encourage one another. The word encouragement there is the word we get. It's parakaleo, which means to come alongside. So we get the word paraclete. Holy Spirit's a paraclete. It means uh, parakaleo. Para means to alongside. Kaleo means to call. You walk Hey, you know, come alongside a person. You have no idea what a person is, what, how, 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 off, how close to the edge they are to giving up. You don't know where, where, what, what all of the things they've had in their life, and we just look at a person from the outside and say, we judge them and say, well, da-da-da, this is why they're doing this, because da-da-da, you know. We don't even know the tip of the iceberg. We have no idea the depths of the hurt and the pain and the, 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 the cracks and the and all Jesus says, just shut up and, and, and love them. I'm not, I'm not shut up. <laughs> just, just, just love them. I'm the Holy Spirit. You're not. And you, some of us are being used by God without us realizing it. My friend who called me, he had no idea what, what that effect that had on me. No, no idea. We'll go, we'll go to heaven someday. I'm, I'm praying that God would show us a videotape of when you said this to this person or helped, or he gave a person a smile. That lit up their day, and that meant a lot. That was you encouraging them. There's no lone ranger of Christianity. Jesus, the only person who was alone was Jesus on the cross by himself dying for our sin alone so that all of us can be. That's why we pray, our Father, our Father, not my Father, but our, He is my Father, but our Father, give us, forgive us, right? The Lord's Prayer. I think people, people, people want to go and, and, and especially in our country, want to be independent Americans and, 
and, and being in control of our things. And in the community of Christ, we are needy people who need the encouragement and blessing of others. And all of us have a, have a part to play. All of us. We're all parts of the body of Christ. I can go on and on about that. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, that's why when somebody, if you don't see somebody, call them up. You text them and say, hey, I miss you. I love you. praying for you. If God brings somebody to your heart and mind, that means you're supposed to do something with that person. That means, you know, and it's, and it's a constant. That's why it's today. See that? Today. Encourage one another while it's still called today. Okay? Guess what? There's going to be a new today tomorrow. And another today. It's a continual process. Because in one sense, we're secure in Christ. But in one sense, our walk can be shaky sometimes because there are things that are wanting to pull us off the path. And the prevention of all that of course, is the encouragement of the body. That's my, my prayer, and I'm going to finish now because uh, I have there's so much more to say, but know the heart of God, right? Let your heart rest in His goodness, His faithfulness, His mercy, His compassion. That's His heart. doesn't say criticism, although He, he knows the truth. But you know the Holy Spirit has a way of convicting of truth in a way that's really special where you were like, you're right, God, right? That's my prayer. Let us know the heart of God. The heart of the, heart of the Lord Jesus. Let us also encourage one another to care for one another, just to love on another, and to, 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 be, to be aware. In fact, he says, Encourage one another. The idea is a reciprocal thing. Because back and forth, all of us are involved in that. You don't have to have the title pastor or deacon or whatever, elder or whatever. No, it's believers. So that our faith can be held fast to the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your heart. Lord, I, I want to pray for anyone who may be listening, either in this room or online, or listening, or watching online. Lord, I want to pray for those who maybe have a suspicion of God, uh, that, that, that God can't be trusted, or that God is not dependable or faithful. Or that God's not good. Lord, I, I, I want to pray, Lord, would you give that person a realization of how good you are? You gave your own very son, Jesus Christ, to, to pay for a sin that we can, never, we can never pay for, Lord. That you willingly did that, free of charge. And that you invite those to come and rest in your goodness. Lord, I want to pray for those who may be hurting, and maybe there's a hurt that, that, that has happened to them, and it's deep, and it, they have a hard time trusting. Um, and for some reason, maybe they're blaming you, God. And I ask, Lord, that you would mercifully be gracious to that person, or those people, Lord, and begin bringing healing 
and wholeness and that they would see your goodness and come to know your, your kindness and your love and that you would mend those wounds that you would bring deep healing to, those, to, that, to that person and if they're holding on to unforgiveness, Lord, that you would lead them in healing them in that area and allowing them to release in forgiveness the pain and the hurt God, I pray that you would make us to be a church that is an encouraging church, a church that's founded on you, and especially, Lord, that we would know your ways, that we would encourage one another. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we stand up? I wonder if uh, Nick... Instead of doing our honorary blessing today, we would sing the doxology. Sure. Just a little change. And then I'll bless. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a blessed, blessed Sunday and stay after for cupcakes for Sharon's birthday. Yay! God bless you.